Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector and investor, and professional wrestling fan. You already know what a week in professional wrestling. I mean, I'm talking about goosebumps. I'm talking about feeling like a kid again. I'm talking about marking out. I'm talking about waking up the next day and buying some new merch that I can wear around my house. I'm going to get to that, but if you're a wrestling fan, you probably know what I'm talking about. I want to start by just saying, let's go. Yes, this has been an incredible week for me coming back from Thanksgiving. So many great conversations in the hobby. Man, I love Instagram. I used to hate Instagram, but Instagram for the hobby, that's what I'm talking about because it gives me the opportunity to connect with all of you and have some really awesome conversations. I can't believe as I record this right now that we are just weeks away from the NBA tipping back off. It just seems like the NBA closed its doors. And I got to say, Adam Silver, no testing uh, marijuana this year. Talk about progressive. I like Adam Silver. His head's always in the right direction. You got to love a progressive commissioner. And I just want to say, Adam Silver, man, he is making it happen. He might go down potentially is the greatest commissioner of all time if he keeps this track record up. I'm a fan of Adam Silver. I always have been a fan of Adam Silver and really love his leadership. Not because he's letting the guys relax, toke up, and not holding them accountable for it, but I just think his mind, his his head in getting the product positioned in a way that is for younger demographics, getting people like me that is more excited than ever about NBA, reaching uh, global uh, and a global audience. I just think he is doing a hell of a job. So I am really excited about this season kicking off. And, you know, it seems like every team in the NBA, especially in the East, made some updates and changes to their team and put a new uh, coat of paint um, or a paint of coat, if you listen to the Bruce Pritchard show, on their team, except for my team, the Indiana Pacers. Um, We are just sitting there um, doing kind of what we always do, being just good enough to make the playoffs and probably not good enough to win a series. I hope that changes. I hope uh, with the new coach, there is some uh, a new style, um, giving young guys like Goga Batatze some minutes. I think that's the best way in the NBA to learn and to progress as a player. I know minutes matter to a lot of people in the hobby right? Because everyone's dumping out their bank account and putting their money in second year players who think are going to be the next, uh, you know, Kevin Durant or Kobe Bryant. Um, Just the hype. I mean, you know, guys and gals, I've just been back for a year and uh, maybe I'm more educated this time around. I don't know. But this hype machine is just unbelievable. (laughs) I just, it amazes me um, waking up every day and seeing what uh, people are doing. before, right when I jumped on and started recording this, of course, I checked out Instagram and at the top of my feed is my man, Lameem James, and he put a meme up. And mind you, Lameem James is a great Trey Young collector way before all of these people have been hyping him up. 
And way before some of these guys with massive platforms who want to flex on their cards, show them off to everyone. Lameem James, to me, he's my, I, he's my Trey Young collector that I'm always going to tout. But he put a uh, post up that showed sales of a Trey Young NTRPA of 99 that just sold for $45,101. Wow. And you compare that to another sale of the 2012 NT RPA of 99, BGS 9.5 in both of these, Dame Lillard sold for $4,300. $45,000 to $4,300? I mean, look at this. This is Damian Lillard, undeniably, we can all say, is one of the best players in the NBA. Yes, he might play on a smaller market, but just moments matter. And Damian Lillard's grit, guts, just clutchness, like he is one of the best players in the league. If Damian Lillard was on the Lakers, he would be, they, people would be talking about him as arguably the best or one of the best players in the league. He's got the small market that hurts him um, a little bit. But this guy, like, he's just, we can all say, if you don't like Damian Lillard, like, what's wrong with you? Everybody I know, all the circles I run with, love Dame Lillard because he doesn't sweat it. He he wants to go out there. He stands up for what he believes in, and that's what's something I'm going to talk about on this show. And that's why Damian Lillard resonates with a lot of people, because he stands up for what he believes in, and that is being a member of the Portland Trailblazers, not taking shit from anybody and putting it in their face and winning during winning time. That's the brand Dame Lillard has built. And the guy can uh, throw some bars out there and uh, he can uh, hold, a, hold a rhyme or two. He's actually pretty good. But then you compare that to Trey Young, who, man, this guy can score the piss out of the ball. He's uh, an exciting young player. They just put a bunch of new pieces around him. but there's still so much uncertainty on what's next for Trey Young. Think about that 10X. It's crazy. That's the way the market is operating right now. It's wild. I just, it, it blows my mind. And it just, for me, you know, everybody here sees that. Everyone listening sees that. And it's just one of those things that I just can't wrap my head around. But anyways, it's entertainment. And that's what we're looking for on this show and in the hobby in general. And when I'm talking about Dame Lillard taking a stand, okay, and taking a stand for himself and his team, I'm also talking about us, us all taking a stand, standing up for what you believe in, being able to be about something, having a belief system, having core values in this damn hobby. I put a tweet out there that said the market is complex and involves a myriad of decisions every day. The best hack to simplify decision making is to develop core values that drive hobby activity. Stand for something. It will help provide focus, drive goals, and separate wrong from right. I didn't necessarily uh, get it when I started the show. I-, I didn't understand the complexity of the market and the complexity of the, the segmentations and what people did and how they operated. You know, I could just kind of bucket it as, okay, you got some collectors over here. You got some investors over here. You got some people that I guess you call flippers. It is much more complex and it is much more diverse than that. I've learned that over time in studying sports card market, interacting with people. And let me tell you, from, for somebody who sits here and studies markets for a living, this market we're in, in the sports card market, is unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. And the reason why it's unlike anything 
I've ever seen in my life is because it is so diverse from a demo perspective. You've got people all the way from kids to 80-year-old collectors that are still in the game, all in the same universe, all trying to navigate, all trying to drive towards their goals, all trying to do what makes them happy. And there's going to be intersections of those two types of um, that myriad of uh, persona types throughout the hobby, and it's going to cause conflict. This is what I can tell you about conflict. Conflict, to me, as someone who's in the business world, is good. I like conflict. I don't seek out conflict to be a dick, but if you're not in a meeting and you're not in a conversation and there's not conflict, that, that, that means that like what you're working on, you're not working hard enough. People should not all have the same opinions. People should have different opinions. And people should take those different opinions and they should take them. And that's what should drive healthy conflict and conversation. If you can't have healthy conflict and conversation because someone's opinion is different than you, then you should probably just be an observer. You should look. You shouldn't react. You have to have the ability to listen to other people and understand where they're coming from and what they're saying and listen and then have a conversation. The reason I'm so emphatic on this is because this is not just sports cards. This is life in general. And this is a problem. And this is why we've gotten to the place we are in this country is because people won't open up their mind and understand that it's not just the worldview that they're living in. There's a million worldviews that exist. And in order to have a society, have a market where people are reasonable and treating people right, you've got to listen and understand it's not just about you, okay? It's not just about you and what you're trying to do. There is a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that are changing, a lot of people with a lot of different intentions, new acquisitions, change, uh, you name it. And so things are always going to be moving. The key is to be open-minded and to be adaptable. I'm just thinking about all the different types of people, just ages aside in the hobby. You've got breakers, you've got card store owners, you've got 30-year collectors, you've got people that want to move up the ladder like me and get big boy cards and be freaking proud of them, flash those things on Instagram and start conversations. You've got flippers, you've got, I guess these are this one and the same maybe, investors in quotes. And God, man, now I know, now I know the perception of when I started this show, the, the investor perception. And I, I, I understand it now. And I'm not saying, and I call myself an investor, but I'm saying that the term in the market investor has a negative connotation to a lot of people. And there's reasons why. And it's just, it's a behavioral thing from a very few. And there's manipulation from very few. And there is um, this uh, all about you know, this, this venture of profit over passion, all of these things combining leaves the term investing to have a negative connotation in the circles that I work run in. Okay. So just wanted to state that you also have people who have absolutely no fucking clue what they're talking about, who are on YouTube trying to get ad money and just, um, skew the audience to have, um, you know, opinions that are just bad information. It's terrible. What is happening? And you all know, if I tout your stuff and you're on YouTube, 
like 90s b-ball card sport card analytics uh sport card investigator like those shows like are good shows those intentions those creators are good people their intentions are sounding good i like all those people jake andrew jordan they're all great people like people i love to interact with in the hobby but that to me and my perception of what's happening on youtube is that is it is there's other great shows too but i'm just calling those ones out cuz they're top of mind but to me they're few and far between when compared to all of the junk that's out there and people just popping up every day and spreading bad information man if you if you go through a day in the hobby on instagram and you're like man i had a rough day like you know these three people posted these things that i don't agree with i got kind of gotten an argument with this person like it's like 2030x on YouTube. Go check out the comment section. Spend a day in some of the wasteland that's going on there of people posting stuff that is just bad information. It's bad. It's getting worse every day. My man Andy, sports card investigator, I shout him out a lot because I t- him and I talk a lot. You know, he sends me new guys that pop up every day and it just I tell him I'll let you know how much I can get through this video. And I, it's just bad. A lot of it's really bad information and it's not correct. And you have young people that are coming in and the platform of choice for them is YouTube and they're searching sports cards and these clowns are popping up and it's, it's, this is what they're learning from. And so it creates this culture of misinformation. It creates this culture of the person who's in control, whether they like it or not, is manipulating their audience because they're trying to benefit from getting growth from getting ad money like i can see this shit happening it's so clear but here's the deal the all of these groups like there's opportunities to to coexist there really is and we just need to be mindful of it like if there are uh, if there is are people doing wrong those are probably opportunities that you know you should probably say something okay like that's you should probably say something I think like speculation on player potential is the fuel that keeps the hobby hype engine humming. And I am like not suggesting like, oh, we shouldn't speculate on players. I do it all the time for Christ's sake. Like I've invested money in players like, you know, Sekou Demboye, right? I've talked about him enough. People do this. But I think it gets twisted a little bit when people are posting stuff and they're recommending people to buy these cards and they're not mentioning any risk that is associated with it, okay? So that's where I think there's a problem when people play, when the hobby starts looking like segments of Las Vegas and like these, you know, sharks and these, buy this now, check out my picks. Like, that's where stuff gets twisted. And I think we just need to be vigilant and we just need to hold other people's accountable people accountable there's manipulation going on there's pump and dump going on at scale it's disguised too some people doesn't don't even see it i see it people leave breadcrumbs track if people leaving digital footprint like you can track these people and what they're telling people to buy psa orders they're getting back what they get back when they get their PSA, pay, PSA orders and then what they're selling, okay? Like, it, it is trackable. I don't have the time to sit back and go dig through all the archives of every 
YouTube creator or, you know, influencer in quotes that I don't like, but it, it's, it is happening. Like I, I can see it happening. And, you know, there was an instance this week that I posted about someone on my story and I just said, Hey, like, you know, this is, this is bad for the hobby because it was someone posting about buying a player right now for 125, 130 bucks, whatever it was, a prism PSA 10 buy it now because the player had played in the bubble play team uh, members of the player's team were no longer there anymore. And his base PSA 10 prism was low pop now. So this person was suggesting that his audience go buy this player who might turn out to be a great player. And that's fine. Like it's not about the player. It's about the way it's being positioned. And that's the problem to tell to if, all these new collectors, new investors, new people that are in the hobby going to like freaking like a, a mosquito on a light going to these people's pages and they're sitting talking about and buy these cards for over a hundred bucks with so much uncertainty and not even calling out risk. That's the problem. The, the pr- other problem is, is that People that are involved in certain demographics don't even see it as a problem. They see these people as OGs. They see these people as the source of truth just because they have a name identity within the Instagram or YouTube circles. That's, that's a problem. And so like with that, like it, that, that leaves me in a place where it's like, hey, I love to speculate too. I hope your speculation hits. But you shouldn't be going out to market and saying everyone else should go buy this card too. I would never, ever in my right mind tell you to go out and buy Sekou Demboye right now or ever. I would never do that. You know why? Because there's risk associated with it. I am taking substantial risk based on my own research, my studying, my, the time spent. I'm taking risk on this, but it's something I believe in. It's not something I'm trying to get you to believe in, okay? And when you cross that line and you start telling people to, and especially if you have influence and you tell people to go start buying these players, that's when shit gets twisted because people aren't paying attention what's happening after that said. Okay, let's say this player is mentioned and said, go buy now. Let's just go say, you know, 10 people went and go bought, bought his cards. Are those 10 people paying attention? to what that creator is doing with those cards six months from now? I don't think so because the hobby is so damn short-minded, so short-minded and so transactional. People sitting there and listening to people tell them what to do. That's laziness. That's not part of the hobby that I want any part of. And that's not what people on this who listen to Stacking Slabs, that's not what you're about. And I say that and I know that because I interact with you. But when I see it on the other side, that's when I start getting upset. So what, we, so what can we do about it? What can we do about it as people who want to do the work, who are educating ourselves and want to have fun in the hobby? We can't spend our, I'll tell you what we can't do. We can't spend our time trying to save people. It's a waste of time. We can't heal people. They're going to do what they want. We can't pick fights either. We need to treat people well. We need to have an open mind and we need to tell them thanks for them for their perspective if they come come at you with a different perspective you never know what's going on on the other side of the the phone on the other side of instagram you don't know how necessarily 
how educated, how old, their circumstance, their place in life. You don't know that. So the, this is like core to what I have to say about this because we get into a place where we just want to go pick fights. We don't want to listen. And you can think someone has the stupidest take and opinion on what they're doing and they're not being very, um, they're not being very cautious with how they're positioning it. But like, you know, just take a deep breath. I'm having to do this, gals. I'm having to do this. I'm having to take a deep breath and just say, it's okay. Like these are, these can't save everyone. Everyone's going to have a different view. But what can we do? Okay. What's the solution to this? Well, I think we all have platforms and we can use our platforms to call out shady or damaging shit when it's going down. I did. I did. And I tagged the person. Okay. I got a ton of support for it and a ton of validation because people said, thank you for doing that. I'm tired of this. Thank you. And then I got some people that's wanted to stand up for the creator. That's fine. I tried to have civil conversations and I did have conversations with some people about it. And, you know, we can agree to disagree, but I will say this too: people that are in demographics that are, we're all in different places in life, but this is what I've noticed too. Younger demographic of people in the hobby, not everyone, but some people. Conflict, like if you're going to come at somebody with a take that is saying you're wrong or what you're saying is wrong or how can you do this, like you better believe that if you're coming at me, I'm going to stand up for what I'm posting and I'm not going to say anything negative about you or bad things. I'm going to argue. I'm going to debate. I'm going to try to unearth the reason why you're defending these points. I don't just post shit to post shit. I post stuff that I'm about and that I believe in and that I'm going to stand up for. And that's what I think we all need to do in the hobby. Have a belief system. Have something that you stand up for so it's easy to not only make decisions when you're buying stuff, but when you see shady stuff happen in the hobby, it makes it real easy to direct your own personal traffic. You dig? All right. One of the things that I'm spending a lot of the time doing is consolidating. And it's consolidating is the trend of 2021. Everybody's saying it. It's popping up. Shay and I talked about it. And man, what a fun conversation with my man, Shay Wave Vlog. So much feedback on that one. So much energy. I really appreciate all of the time spent and all the kind words there. Shay is a guy that I just really appreciate in the hobby. He will be back on the show, that's for sure. I'll give you your Shay fix at some point. But I'm doing this because I have seen the light, okay, everybody? I have seen just the long-term game when it comes to sports cards and having scarce and scarce sports cards that are also of popular players that will always have demand. These cards are expensive, right? So consolidation to me, it's not only about the chase to go get bigger cards, but it's the process that I'm going through. The process forces you to be in cards every day, okay? And if you're not about that, that's totally fine. But like trying to consolidate and move up the ladder might not be for you right now because I'm finding it takes activity all the time, every day. I just... Literally, I just listed three John Morant cards on eBay last night 
that I never would have thought of listing. However, I thought about the situation of what I'm trying to obtain and where I'm trying to go. And I looked at John Morant's prices and all the hype that's built in. And I just said to myself, this is going to happen because this cash is going to help me get uh, to those cards and and I can consolidate where I want to go. That's what like having an open mind, making moves, it, it helps helps you evolve. This hype is in NBA cards right now is it's only going to start picking up. So I'm trying to take advantage of that. And that's how I'm doing it. Like I'm trying to look at my PC, look at my cards and say, what really means, what means something to me? And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely finding I'm a player collector and I want to collect players cards that are scarce and rare. I want to collect big cards, and I do want to have a little room for speculation, but I don't want speculation to be my whole thing. And I think speculation is a lot of people's everything, and that's that's what I'm concerned with a little because that's not a great way to consolidate, one. And then two, that is a good way to put yourself up to for risk. And it's not it's that's not fun to me, um, and I'm afraid people are going to leave the hobby because of that. So... At the, if you're going to start consolidating, you got, you got to do the work, okay? Like, you, you have to do the work, and you got to have goals. So I love consolidating. I love to talk with more people about how you're consolidating. That is a topic that I am certainly going to be bringing up more and more. When I think about the speculation game that's happening in the hobby, I'm, I'm, I'm left with thinking to myself, how can I, in my platform, try to help out and make things better? Not try to save everybody, but what can I do? Because I'm a speculator too. I like to speculate. I don't like to, like it to be my my everything, but it's a little betting going on, right? You got a little bet going on and then they pay off and then you've got money that you can go buy some big boy cards. So I think my, my put it in quotes, baby, my investor speculation advice of the week starts with these three words that I say all the time. Do the work do the work and in order to do the work and to have you're going to strike out sometimes but you want to protect yourself and make sure that if you do the work you've got some wins in there too and the easiest way that i found to speculate and do well at speculation and i go back to my example that i've talked about yes i was wrong about skill positions in the nfl however I speculated on four guys, Marlon Mack, Marquise Brown, Kenyon Drake, DK Metcalf. Well, Marlon Mack out week one. Marquise Brown freaking finally caught a touchdown. Oh, man, last week, and it was awesome. But just the out of the Ravens offense, definitely not down. Kenyon Drake, spin hurt, down. DK Metcalf, holy cow, right? Okay, so... The one guy hitting out of those four definitely helped me profit, you know, from my situation, which is good. But I, when I dug into those players that I was picking, it was all on the assumption that I thought uh, skill position guys were going to take off. But it was also because of deep research on my 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 um on my my behalf. And so I think like doing the work, like recommendations, because I know everyone out there is trying to find the next Giannis going into this year. And this is my recommendation. Use resources and use research. Reddit pages. God, I, I, like, 
I spend a lot of my day sometimes just checking out the Detroit Pistons Reddit page and listen to what fans are saying. Listen to what people who are Pistons fans are saying about Sekou Dumboye. And it's really good um, perspective to just be around people that are fans of a specific player or team. Beat writers, people that are at practices talking about it, covering the teams. Go follow them on Twitter. No-brainer. Local radio shows, go tune in, find those. That's something someone reached out to me about this week, and I apologize. Uh, I didn't write down the handle, but that was a good one that I'm not doing. But I'm like, yeah, you can tune into local radio from everywhere. Like, go. There's a guy you're invested in. Go. There, chances are the NBA season's starting off in three weeks. Chances are they're covering the team regularly. Google Alerts. Set up freaking Google Alerts for the players you're getting. You get their news stories in your inbox when they happen. I got a amazing, I've been waiting for this. I, the D- Detroit Free Press did a article on Seku that involved an interview with him in the press this week. And it was just awesome. He talked about, I got to learn a little more about where his mindset and head was going into this season. I learned about the importance of his physical, um, his physical, like his physical conditioning and all, all he's done and why he said last year um, it was kind of an up and down rookie year, even though this guy's freaking, this guy's younger than some of the rookies they have. But like he uh, talked about that. And so it, it, it really made me happy to know that like he's taken the step to cut weight, get more physical, um, build this frame and show that he's serious about being a contributor to the Detroit Pistons. So to me, that was like a, Google alert to an article to a confirmation for me about, okay, well, I'm glad I've got some money in this kid because he's doing all the right things. Follow these guys on Instagram. It's just fun. That's the fun part. Just follow their stories and lives. They go live. It just makes you a fan of these players too. Um, And I just think all of that's important. So like, if you're going to speculate, make sure you're doing the research and make sure you're using the proper resources because there is so many at your disposal got to shout out my ig account of the week and this page has been awesome has just given me nothing but love on my platform sharing my stuff and also has just a bad ass collection um just some great uh, the russ wilson cards really catch my eyes but i want to shout out my ig account of the week to iconic card collector I'm sure you follow Iconic Card Collector, but if you don't, go hit that follow button. Just a great page. Great dude. Really, really love it. Also, I want to shout out the card table with my man, Justin. So at the card table on Twitter, Justin reached out to me um, a while back and said, hey, I'm starting this show. I'd love for you to be a guest on the show. He hit me at the a, ba- a bad time and I said, hey, can you reach back out at the end of the month? I'd love to, you know, reconnect then when I've got some more free time. Well, Justin was persistent. He reached back out and said, Hey, I'm reaching back out. I'm doing this show. I'd love for you to be the first guest. Can you um, jump on this week? And I just reflected on that, reflected on his communication, his persistence and said, you know what? We don't know each other. You're starting a new show, but I love the way you approach the situation. Absolutely. I carved out some time and we had a great conversation. Um, It was awesome. He was a fan of the show. He listens to the show. The conversation was good. It was like the questions were awesome. And I'm excited to share that once that goes live. 
I know he's editing it. Um, and so once that goes live, I'll definitely be sharing it across my channels. Make sure you check it out. But at the card table on Twitter, Justin, um, really excited to see his show taken off. A big moment in wrestling cards. I might not, I might have toned it down a little bit on wrestling cards. And I, when I was formatting the show this week, I was like, I got to talk about wrestling cards some more. And there's a big reason why I can talk about wrestling cards this week because there was a record freaking sale that I saw of the 19, uh, the, the Undertaker classic rookie card. It is, uh, there in this classic uh, set of Undertaker rookies, there's several different variations of the rookie. The card that went for sale uh, was one of those variations, and it sold for set seventeen hundred and seventy five dollars on eBay, and that's a big deal. And that's a big deal because I've been talking about just investing in legends on the wrestling side, and I've been talking about the Undertaker for the jump, and the Undertaker's just walking away from the ring. And that card and that price, and it was a population one, I think. So it was, the card was rare in a PSA 10 form. But that really got me excited, and it shows the growth and the potential in the wrestling card market. Not just wrestling cards for from the 80s, which is most of the ones that have been elevating in prices so far. The Andre, the Giants, the uh, uh, Wrestling All-Stars, that's been posted, Hogan's. Uh, but this is a like one of the first cards of the '90s of a rookie card that I've really seen at a, a hit a price that high, and that excites me. It excites me because it shows that legendary characters hold value. It excited me so much that I've got a PSA nine, um, not the same card, but one of the variations where Undertaker is hitting. Uh, I think he's going to town on uh, Typhoon, one half of the natural disasters. Um, and I said to myself, I just sent a load, biggest PSA order ever. I had tons of these car, un, different Undertaker rookies of this classic set submitted. So I had a PSA 9 in my hand, and I said, you know what? I'm putting this one up for auction and just seeing what happens because might as well try to capitalize on one of these moments where people are looking for rare and scarce cards. And the card I listed, PSA 9 was a population 3. So I'm excited to see how that card ends up. And as a you know collector, I know whatever happens to it, I'm getting more back from PSA. So that really excites me. But I just wanted to take a minute to just highlight the uh, just the the potential with wrestling cards. I also want to highlight um, uh, Jake. I already mentioned him from '90s B ball cards, um, and Chris House of Jordans card ladder. Chris gets a mention in almost every one of my shows. <laughs> I'm a fan. If you haven't been able to tell. Um, they had an awesome conversation on Jake's channel, 90s B-Ball Cards, a YouTube channel that Stacking Slabs strongly endorses a good channel. There's good on YouTube, too. Go check out that conversation, man. I loved it. I, I could sit and listen to those two talk for hours. The reason why I can sit and listen to those two talk for hours is because there is passion there. And, man, if you're looking to, for more information about 90s basketball cards, I honestly, those are the two guys I'd point you to. So go check out that conversation, 90s B-Ball Cards. Also got to shout out my man, Lefko, Adam Lefko. Shook the world on Instagram doing a show called The Surface Trade Show. It's going to be on December 12th. Go left, go to at Lefko Cards. There's a link in his bio. Sign up. It's going to be a fun night. He's going to have 
you know, breakouts, uh, panel discussions. There's just a lot going on. So more information on Leftco Cards' account, hit that link and check it out. I'm fired up because I started something in the hobby. I started something on Instagram. People all talking about group chats of these player collectors, this and that. And I just said, you know what? I need to get myself in a Peyton Manning group chat. So all the people from the Peyton Manning event, along with a few others, um, you know, we, we, uh, we started a little Peyton chat and we, I got that going, but it's fun, man. It's just a way to connect with people that are passionate. It's a, a way to, uh, share information and it's just, I'm, I'm having fun. So it's just getting off the ground, but I'd recommend find circles of people that collect what you do and start a group chat. It's a good way to share information. Got some hobby hustle updates here for you. Getting a lot of really good feedback about the Friday conversations. I'm loving them too. I'm learning just as much as you. Got some two big ones here coming up, and I am previewing two. So uh, this Friday, uh, in a couple days, I'm bringing my man, Josh, Cardboard Chronicles, back on the show for a lot of different reasons. When, when I talk about consolidation, this guy is one of the top guys. He's a guy I've been learning from. So I want to talk with Josh and talk about how he consolidates in his process. He's been picking up some LeBron cards that are out of this world. And in order just to do that, you need to make moves. So we're going to talk about that. And I want to talk to him about the current state of the hobby, the hype, and there's just a lot of good information. I He is someone that I learn from regularly, and I know it'll do everyone a good service by bringing him back on so he can share some nuggets. And I'm lining up a really good one in a couple weeks. Um, I'm going te- to tease that a little bit. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet until the conversation happens because this guy's a busy guy. But I think um, he's someone you all know if you're on Instagram. Um, he, I don't, I, there hasn't been many conversations with him, I don't think. And I'm really excited to bring um, his perspective. So that's what you call a little teaser. Um, but more information coming soon. All right. So I talked about wrestling and the wrestling world being shook this week. Man. Okay, so on the other side of this, like NXT TakeOver will have happened. War Games. I'm excited about it. I went to War Games last year, which was crazy. It was such a fun event, um, such a fun match, and NXT always does a good job. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is what happened on AEW Dynamite last week. The return of Sting, the icon, out of nowhere. The, uh, it was one of the coolest moments that I have been a, as a fan seen in professional wrestling because no one knew it was coming and out of nowhere Sting came back and he not only came back but it was announced he had signed a multi-year do- deal with AEW brand. It was one of those moments as a fan goosebumps went through my body as I watched this. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and man I was marking out. I had so much fun, and it is just so damn cool to see an icon and a legend like Stinger back and involved in a product like AEW that I absolutely love. And then at the main event, you had Kenny Omega take the title from John Moxley and leave with Don Callis. And there's a relationship between AEW and Impact Wrestling that will have fallen out on the other side of this. Man, I love what's happening in professional wrestling right now. It's getting me excited. 
want to want to share this here um, as we're kind of rounding the corner here of this episode. Okay, so a couple bit couple things. One, bad eBay operating. Just this is a hey, if you're selling on eBay, don't do this. Don't put don't do buy it nows that are way too high, and that you have an offer, and then if someone offers something and you leave a message, you don't respond, and the offer expires. That's bad operating. That happened to me twice this week. That happened to me twice with expensive cards. Made someone an offer, left them a message, and heard crickets. And I'm not talking about a low ball offer. I'm talking like on a $1,000 card, like $150 difference in a message about trying to get the deal done. If you're not going to respond to that, you shouldn't be selling on eBay straight up. Talking about receivers and second-year receivers on the NFL side, this is just a note to to share just their how much the media and hype adds to the machine. So if you look at, by the way, second year receiving class out of this world, there's just some studs that I think we're all going to be fans of and they're going to make an impact on the NFL for quite some time. DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, my man, Deidre High School, shout out, state champs once again, and AJ Brown. The DK Metcalf, Prism 10 right now is going for 350. The Terry's going for 137. And the AJ Brown's going for 125. Okay, so there's a obviously a big gap. Obviously, all three of these guys, by the way, are having absurd seasons. Like, I watch a lot of football. AJ Brown, just like that game last week against the Colts, man, he's just a monster. This guy's a beast. But he's not getting really talked about enough. Terry McLaurin, same deal. I mean, this guy, go look at his numbers. Go go look at his numbers and his situation. This guy, I think, I think Terry McLaurin, I've been on, I'm, I'm Terry's hype guy, right? We went to the same high school. I think Terry McLaurin could be the best receiver in the NFL in a couple years. Like, he's got it all. Just get this guy a quarterback. Then, obviously, DK Metcalf is otherworldly, right? Um, he's like a video game. I've talked about that. Um, but there's a big price separation. A lot of that price separation is just, you know, media and coverage and, like, just, it, it's almost like the, these other two receivers don't exist because DK is all anyone's talking about. Uh, pro, I thought, found this interesting, and this is why I just want to call it out. But Pro Football Focus, whether you like them or not, I tend to think Pro Football Focus does a good job, rated these receivers this year. DK Metcalf, 83.7. AJ Brown, 83.8. So a tick above. And then Terry, 84.3. So based on what they're observing analytics and what's happening on the field, they're a lot closer than the media may make it out to be. So make sure that you're not just listening to the talking heads, but you're watching the games and doing the research too. Because if I'm saying this right now and I look at those card prices, the other two might look nice. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, the other thing, just um, before we close it out, I'm going to get to some question and answers because I like doing that. And you all drop some fun questions back and I'm going to answer them. But another thing that I would recommend everyone do is go look through your your boxes and always be grading. You want that steady stream of grading card that cat that those assets back that you can sell into the market. Get stuff back monthly. Monthly build your process, fuel your buying. I did that this week, and I literally saw cards that I haven't seen in forever. But then I'm looking at these cards and thinking about what's happening with the, all the NBA hype, and I'm seeing like serial numbered cosmic. Uh, Darius Baisley cards that I have in my, and I'm just like, I should just get this card graded. So there's a lot of that happening and a lot of that going on. Um, you know, and this is just, 
I think that's just good good behavior and good be, a good practice. It's just there's cards probably sitting somewhere in your house. Go dig in and look at them and and see what you got because there's probably stuff you forgot about. All right, Q and A. Here we go. First question comes from these are all from Instagram for love of cards. Question is, what's the best way to research PSA populations and how do you use that info to buy? I use that info to buy. Um, I don't let it like direct everything I do, but it's an important piece of what I do, especially when it comes to the Peyton Manning stuff I'm buying. I want to buy the low pop stuff, stuff that's more scarce, um, especially like based on those being older cards. And if they're not graded now, they've probably been around for a while and you're probably not going to get tens on stuff that's been sitting raw for that long. So um, that helps influence buying decisions on graded stuff and justifies purchases. But just the best way to do is just go check out PSA's pop report. Um, you Tools like Card Ladder 2, um, add that. To, they, they include that in their data set. So that's something you want to look out to. But good question. Next question is from guy I interact with a lot, tb12sports.sportscards. He asked me, what are your top three 1980s wrestling cards that I own? This is a tough one. I will say I can't really place in what order who is what, but I will say it's definitely cards that are in my 1982-83 wrestling all-star set. Those cards are in grading right now, but I love those cards because a lot of it is, it's the one where you get the Hogan rookie, Andre, Flair, but to me, that's the set of sets in wrestling cards. I love those cards because it shows like the face of legends before they became legends in many cases. And the stories they have on the back are awesome. So 82, 83 wrestling all-stars. Those are like, that's like the grail set in wrestling cards. So a lot. I love all the cards that are in that set. Thanks for the question, TB12. K Dizzles underscored cards with a K. What popular trends now will we be will look back on and wonder what we were thinking? Good question. I'll just say like the base cards, what's going on with base prism PSA tens. If it continues, the populations are are gonna continue to go up on these cards. Like people don't care about these cards. People are just trying to make money off of these cards. I think eventually that you're gonna see that like dip. It's probably not gonna happen overnight, but with time. I, it's just not sustainable to me. It's not sustain like like a, a Darius Basley card right now. It's just like it's just not sustainable because it's not a collectible. It's a commodity like that. And I've said I've ta- I've talked a lot about the difference between collectibles and commodities, and I just don't think that's sustainable. So like the base prism craze, if I had to make a bet just on something that would eventually fall off over time, it would probably be that. Rays underscore cards, chrome refractors or prism silvers, what's better and why? Obviously a subjective opinion. I'd go chrome uh, refractors, especially the serial numbered stuff all day. More scarce, like silvers are great cards. I've got tons of silvers of cards of players that I collect, but give me a serial number chrome refractor all day. I love the scarcity um, of that. And I know silvers are scarce, but, you know, I don't know, I'm a, I just I like stuff that is uh, serial numbered more and get that stamp on the back. And chrome refractors, like just aesthetically, I mean they're the OG. Like go, like I'm getting Peyton refractors now, and these are just awesome cards. So that that was what I say. I said they're both great cards, though. I, I like them both. Boulevard of cards. What up? How do you think about? How do you think this is a, this is a fun one? How do you think wrestling today can reach the layer of pop culture in the 80s and 90s? Well. 
I think getting out of COVID helps, right? I think crowds being back um, will certainly help. And I, I, I love obviously what AEW is doing because AEW is trying to reach the yum, younger demo of wrestling fans and people like me that are in their mid thirties. So I'm excited about the potential of like having competition for WWE with AEW. But at the end of the day, it, it takes stars. Like WWE has not been in the business of creating stars for quite some time. I mean, they Roman Reigns has been someone who I've been a Roman Reigns fan from the jump. I just, I like Roman Reigns, but you know, his, his botched presentation to the world, you know, was bad. And now he's finally coming into his own as a heel in, you know, this guy looks like a million bucks, like Roman Reigns is going to be, you know, the next movie star here. Um, but I think it starts with stars. You need to be building more stars. Stars transcend, transcend wrestling business and pop culture. Like there was a period of time where The Rock and Stone Cold, like those were mega pop culture stars and so like hogan like you just need to they need like these companies need to be building these stars and i'm i'm seeing it happen with someone in particular that i don't want to get into it now but i will in aew and i'm excited for the the future but you got to build stars all right final question athletic attitudes cards why has baseball card market gone up during the offseason I don't know. I don't follow baseball cards, but I, I I added this question because I think it. My easy answer is probably because hype is what drives everything, and everyone speculating and speculation causes prices to jump. Thank you, everybody, for your question. I want to close out on this. Accountability in the hobby is really important because it's so easy to buy everything. I think it's helpful to create a list, and I posted this. It's helpful to create a list of card attributes whether it's short print, serial number, player set, low pop, that must be true in order for you to make an immediate purchase when listings come to market. Everyone follows listings, right? Buying triggers help drive accountability and will help repel shiny objects of regret. Why I think this is important. I think shiny object syndrome is something that a lot of people in the hobby suffer from. And it was me entering the hobby. You buy what's hot, you buy what's flash, you buy what's out there, it's buy what you think you need. You don't want to do that. You want to hold yourself accountable to your standards. Um, You got to set those perimeters because the market is extremely complex. You want to do this because you want to help avoid loss and regret. Passion drives the hobby. Let passion drive you over profit, not the other way around. I hope this episode helped. I hope that you, you had some takeaways and you learned something. There is so much going on. Make sure you hit the follow button, subscribe. Do whatever you can to support the show. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell someone who's getting back in the hobby. I appreciate all the support. Got nothing but love for you, the audience, and all you're doing to help promote the show. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. You know that. Hobby Hustle this Friday with Josh. Cardboard Chronicles coming at you. Take it easy.